Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, January 22nd, 2021. My name is Mike Wynn. I am both one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this weekly radio program and the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I am joined in studio this morning by Lieutenant Gary Traversa, Cops Bureau Commander. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. Good morning, everybody. And Lieutenant Tommy Dolly, Day Shift Commander. Good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. Good morning, Lieutenant. And since I ran in here at the last minute again, I still need a minute to set up my tablet. Why? All right, it's about to get cold. Is it me, or is it has been, or has it been perpetual flurries for the past week? I said that. Was it last night? No, it had to be um, Wednesday night. I said that to Christina. It's like had moderate flurry activity or some type of snow every day for. It has to be a week now, right? Yeah. Every morning I wake up, there's the white stuff covers the driveway. Yeah. You know, and it, it may not be a lot, but it's enough that you can't just leave it there. Yeah, right. I had a delivery driver come in the other night with uh, dinner for date night. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I got to go clean the walk. That guy's going to, you know, take a hatter. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> City's doing the best they can, they can with it, you know. It's, it's crazy. It never stops. Yeah. All right. We, we got we to gotta go to a, a news check, but... Like I said before we went to the weather, I actually need a moment here. Um, and, it, you know, I, I'm i at this point where I don't even want to, like, try to justify it. I quite literally was out of the house and out of the driveway early. And it doesn't matter what route I take between the house and the studio, every single red light, two 18-wheelers in, on secondary roads that can't make it up the hill slowing me down, the one school bus, apparently, that's operating <laughs> in the city, and this elderly driver that was doing like 15 miles an hour coming through the, uh, the Elm Street area. Cautious and safe. I, I, can't, ob- I can't object to that, but like, you know, I planned well. <laughs> the best plan doesn't survive first contact um so i do want to talk about a couple newsworthy items before we get to the lieutenant and um i think i'll start with the one that i'm the most familiar with because i got scolded this morning christina opened the front page of the eagle she's like you're on the front page again it's like i don't have any control over that i didn't know right um so the police advisory review board met this week um virtually as they have been uh, since the beginning of the you know close to the beginning of the pandemic i want to give credit to the police advisory review board i mean this was a year where there was a lot of stuff going on nationally and in the commonwealth and even locally with questions about policing and the police advisory review board was one of the first boards and commissions i think other than licensing that insisted on being able to resume their meeting schedule and get to work because they they thought that they needed to be involved in the stuff that was going on with the police reform legislation. And I applaud them for that. Um, but the, the general gist of the story and the conversation, there was a, we covered a bunch of stuff at PARB this week, but the general gist of the, or the thrust of the meeting and the story is that the Pittsfield Police Advisory Review Board came out in support of the Massachusetts police legislation. They had some questions for me and you know I I I paraphrased the the line that the 
uh, presidents of the Chiefs Association said, are we happy with it? No, but we can live with it. Uh, it's, you know, there's, there's some really, really good things in there. There's some stuff that was um, included in there in response to activities that happened well outside of the Commonwealth. Uh, and you know, I think some of that is unfortunate, but you know, we're, we're not going to sacrifice a lot of public safety because of anything that was in there. And so, you know, it's compromise language. That's the, that's the intention. It's compromise. Um, so they, they did not issue their formal statement in support because there was a delay in getting something on the agenda. And, you know, but they, they wanted to vote to affirm the Massachusetts legislation, which they did, and they will prepare and disseminate a formal written statement following next month's meeting after they have a chance to properly deliberate it. Um, I saw the draft of the statement. It's, um, it's very fair. So I think that, uh, you know, life goes on. Other stuff in the Police Advisory Review Board meeting that we talked about were um, they, they're the final final. You know endorsement on policy stuff and so as we've talked about for the last couple of weeks we had to send a couple prerequisite policies to them because we had turned the new policy module online and these were the last two that needed to be uh, uh, issued for that to happen so we was happy to get those through the process I actually had a chance to log into the kms because i could do a screen share and they were actually pretty i think they were more impressed with the kms than our own personnel have been so <laughs> i got a little bit of a, a little bit of support there little affirmation uh other news article i mean there's there's just so much going on before we talk about the events of last uh, this week uh, front page of the eagle you know i i we live in a beautiful beautiful area we're blessed and fortunate to be here and other people are realizing that you know i think we've talked in the past about how uh, people who were living in tightly congested urban areas were finding their way to the Berkshires during the pandemic. And there's been a lot of stories about that. People who were maybe second homeowners or part-time residents just saying, I can work from here. Why would I go back and put myself through that? Um, but not just, just you know, blue-collar working folk or white-collar working folk. Uh, two of the, the most high-valued real estate transactions in the history of the county occurred in the last month of last year massive real estate sales mm -hmm. so people are coming and we appreciate it i was reading an article this week uh about uh florida you know how, how robust their real estate is and you know i, I think similar to massachusetts you know it's it, uh people are getting out of the cities you know obviously florida is more suburban um but uh you know when you think about it massachusetts is the majority of it's rural, you know, and that's attractive for people. It's, so um, I think the last news article I want to talk about, and then we'll move into a health update that Dr. Kohlberg sent us, is I don't think we can end this week and not talk about the presidential inauguration. It's 2021. President Biden was sworn in as president on Wednesday. Uh, Vice President Harris, you know, it's um, regardless of, of your political beliefs, regardless of your affiliation, you know, it's it's a new chapter, right? That's that's the way our system of government works, our, our representative Demo uh, Democratic Republic. And the only thing I want to talk about it from a law enforcement point of view is the difference between Inauguration Day and Election Day. So Inauguration Day uh, is this Wednesday. And the um, the 
Commonwealth stood up the relatively new Homeland Security Operations Center. The Homeland Security Operations Center is a joint emergency operations center uh, managed by the state police. It operates in conjunction with the state emergency operations center, which is the, you know, the, oh, you hear about the SEOC. Like when they say, you know, we got the situation report for COVID that comes out of the SEOC. The Homeland Security Operations Center, the HSOC, is a new entity that's separate that just focuses on uh, first responder type stuff, police, fire, EMS, and the state police run it. Um, they're in constant communication. And for the first time, this is 2020, for the first time ever, municipal law enforcement was given a seat in the room in both the SEOC and the HSOC. Um, up until 2020, all law enforcement interests were represented by the state police. Now, I love our brothers and sisters in French blue, but they don't have the same mentality we do, and they don't understand the resource limitations we have, so they, they can't, they, they, they do the best they can, but they can't, unless the person sitting in that seat has been a municipal police officer before they went to the state police, they can't represent our interests. So having a municipal police chief or you know liaison officer in that was very important. On election day, I was our local point of contact with the HSOC. I spent all day on election day, my regular work day, in my office monitoring activity out of the HSOC, and I could not keep up with both the status reports and the message traffic. It was eight hours of unrelenting updates. Nothing happened, but the updates were constant. On inauguration day, not a single communication out of the HSOC, not one. Right? If I didn't have the television on in my office, I wouldn't have known it wasn't a regular work day. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of telling. Yeah. I, All I'm right. Glad that we didn't have any any large scale issues nationwide, and certainly certainly locally here. Yep. All right. So, health update. Dr. Colbert couldn't join us this morning. There's a Department of Public Health call this morning. He and Director Armstrong are on that, but. Because he is a valuable and committed partner, he did send us an email early this morning. So let's see, what did the doctor include? If you did not see yesterday's news, so Governor Baker uh, held his update conference, his news conference, and there are some changes coming. I just completely got booted out of, out of my, email, my email, so hold on a second here. Sorry, bear with me. Um, so the governor's making some changes, effective uh, the 25th, right? So that's coming into effect early next 5 week. 5 a.m., I think. Um, so the, the big one, for those businesses that went on to the 9.30 p.m. closure curfew, that's being lifted. That's coming. Um, it's, it's a mixed bag. The capacity limitation of 25% stays in place, but they can resume normal hours. And I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a big deal. It includes bars and restaurants. It also includes gyms and fitness centers. So people that have been closing early will be able to pick up those hours. And I think we all know that those shoulder hours for some of those businesses are key. So that's going to be good news. Uh, I, I, there's no wood right here. I want to, so I've been watching this as a member of the city's task force and, you know, been holding my breath and keeping my fingers crossed. There's a real strong suggestion that our local positive positivity numbers are on the way down. We know that they've been trending up and, and staying high since the post Thanksgiving surge. Um, but 
with the surveillance stuff that we're, we have in place, particularly with the daily reporting of numbers from the health system and the work that Department of Public Ser- Services does with the sewage testing, right now it looks like we're, we've peaked and it's starting to trend down. Uh, the doctor says latest wastewater analysis is also encouraging and suggesting we may see a decline in cases in the coming week. And that's a combination of continued vigilance, increased testing, opening the vaccination clinics, uh, and people just stay on the course. So that's good news. Next thing he said is vaccine rollout continuing through phase one. Um, So there's a good article, very descriptive article about this in in the Eagle this morning also. Um, But basically, we are now phase one, all phase one. If you're in phase one, we we can handle that. Uh, so one group of eligibles who can be hard to identify are home health care workers not affiliated with agencies. If you are a private home health care worker, you're now eligible to get the vaccine, and you're encouraged to call the Pittsfield Health Department at 499-9411, 499-9411 to get the registration form. The next item on Dr. Kohlberg's update is Berkshire County is well positioned in terms of infrastructure and vaccinations to go into phase two as soon as the state gives the go ahead and provides doses of vaccine. Our local state legislators have been briefed and are applying pressure to state of state officials to permit Berkshire County to move ahead into phase two. Uh, But at this point, we are not in phase two. We're lobbying hard to get into phase two. And yeah, we all so we've all received our first dose of the vaccine. Um, and then we talked about it at last week's show. I didn't have high expectations for the registration and sign up portal. I'm going to repeat what I said last week. I am incredibly impressed. Got the link emailed to us yesterday for second dose signups. Prep mod is working. If it continues to work as well for the next phases as it did for us, that's a game changer. And the locations that were identified as the distribution sites, the EDSs, they're working. The process is is unbelievable. I fully believe the estimate that each of those facilities um, with continued hours could manage to do a thousand doses a day. And so we're in really good shape if they give us permission to move into the next phases and we can get the doses delivered. So stand by for that. Um, there is no... There's no eligibility. There's no ability to sign up for phase two yet, but it's coming. So optimism there. The city, uh, you know, we we managed. I was on a vaccine planning uh, team call. Some questions were raised. I, I offered up the services of my counterpart, uh, Director Stebbin, and our IT um, manager, Mr. Munn, Smart Gary, who had a birthday this week, and so he's on some days off. Uh, so happy birthday, that Gary. that make you? <laughs> That's awesome, Gary. It's, no, awesome it's, it's Gary awesome, Gary. Gary. Yeah, Smart Gary and Awesome Gary. I was renamed. Um, Were you once Smart Gary? <laughs> Never. <laughs> so um, one of the questions that came up is, you know, we're, we're pushing a lot of information, both the city and, and the countywide uh, combined effort via electronic means. Uh, you know, a, lot, a lot of stuff on the dashboards, a lot of stuff on the website. And yeah, we have to recognize that some people, either because of technological limitations or just comfort level, they may not have access to, to the technology to access that stuff. So we set up 
city city IT working through uh, city department of public health set up a um, information phone number that people can call into it'll be updated at least weekly or more frequently if necessary uh, message is, is it's not live it's just an information number message is being recorded in English and in Spanish uh, shout out to sanitarian Andy Camby who both supported us at the coordinating center and uh, I have had the pleasure of having both as a college student and a student in our leadership academy so andy's recording it in spanish um and it will give information about the current status of what phase we're in and where the links can be found and how to sign up and how to register so if you have questions the new vaccine information line and this is for the county we're making it available for everybody in berkshire county is and this is important four four nine five five seven five early um releases that went out because you know historical phone numbers in the city had that that first half is 499 it is not it's 4495575 so if you want the most recent information um in a verbal form about vaccine availability call the vaccine information line at 4495575 and then it's Dr. Kohlberg so we can't finish without his admonition wear a mask Maintain social distancing, wash your hands, sanitize when necessary or possible, and if at all possible, stay home. Stay home, stay safe, stay healthy. So that's the weekly health update. Great. Anything I missed? I don't think so. Shout out to Dr. Kohlberg for getting yep. that to me this morning. And um, Gina is is expressed an interest in doing a health update, maybe in person or via Skype next week. So we've got one guest lined up. And we will go on from there. Sounds doing, like a plan. They're doing such a great job over there. They they've been very busy. Very busy. I spoke with Kayla yesterday, and how busy she's been. Um, just my hats off to them, keeping us healthy, updated. I yeah I. <laughs> we've had we we haven't had Kayla in studio yet, right? No, I no. haven't. She's avoiding um, it. Yes, yeah, she is. Which is <laughs> have we asked her? I haven't asked her. Which is unfortunate because she's amazing. Um, we could get her on Skype though. We probably. could probably. Well, except she's she's the clinic manager now, so she's yeah. off site uh, several days. So anyhow, um, the department, the city's department of public health, have been the the lead agency for our, you know on our terms, the incident commander of the unified command for the duration of this emergency. And they have knocked it out of the park. Knocked it out of the park. I have regular communication with my counterparts elsewhere in the state that are not fortunate enough to have the kind of relationship with their health department and the kind of leadership that we have in our health department. And I'm telling you, without those experts and those vocal advocates, it, it doesn't go as well as it has out here. And we've had our challenges and got our ups and downs. You know, people are always going to throw slings and arrows. You got, you know, so this will come up. It'll break in um, in the next week. It's it's already been mild, initially reported, but there because of everything that's going on and, and you know impacts on the economy and changing hours and stuff some things you know not necessarily in the municipal side but everywhere slip through the cracks things are late and so we got a communication you gentlemen are aware a week or so ago maybe two weeks ago that there were a couple local establishments that their their liquor licenses hadn't renewed 
right? They, they had expired and they hadn't renewed. And while that may not seem like that big a deal, the fact of the matter is you can't serve alcohol if your license is in, in, in good stead, right? It, I mean, you, we don't have to like it, but that is the law. And so we were given guidance to, you know, it's not like we're going to go in there and, you know, storm the place with our jackboots on and shut them down. We're just told if you see them operating, find out if they're serving alcohol and let us know. So one of our shift commanders did that, and it's it's going to result in you know some action with the licensing board. We don't have a choice, right? That's it's not it, you can't just ignore it. And so when the story broke that you know that had been put forward, people are like, "That's draconian. The police should have just ignored it." You know, it, we've never ignored it in the past. Why would we ignore it now? We didn't take draconian. We filed a report. That's what we were asked to do. You know the process will play out and we'll see what happens but um you know it's it's that type of stuff where we're treading this delicate line if if you'll flout that regulation the question has to be asked what else right and in a time when we're enforcing health or assisting in the backing up the enforcement of health regulations we can't take chances so we'll see what happens with that all right lieutenant you've been very patient How's it going? It's going really well. Yeah. Very well, actually. Healthy. <laughs> Everybody's healthy. That's Always awesome. Good. Yep. Um, first and foremost, I'd like to give a shout-out, if I could, Chief. Please. To my mother. It's her birthday today. Happy birthday, Mom. 72 years young. Happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, she's, Mom Dolly. Yep. She's uh, enjoying it elsewhere today. So she's uh, she's 72 today. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And healthy and happy and yes very that's awesome very and happy birthday to whoever else shares her birthday today all right so i don't think we talked about this last week i don't remember it's january of a brand new year and that means a lot of things for many people but what it means in the pittsfield police department is annual shift bid rotation Boy, I tell you, <laughs> it's never an, it's never an easy time of year. So um, we talked to Captain Kirchner last week, right? That he had spent the weekend prepping the bids, right, or prepping the assignments, right? Um, but the the shift change went into effect on Sunday. Mm-hmm. There were some dramatic changes, some big changes. Uh, yes. I I would imagine that there's some people who are pretty happy, and that there's a group of people that yeah. are pretty unhappy yes there's a small percentage of unhappy people but you know that that coupled with everybody wanting their assigned beats and trying to balance and level that out it's, it's a challenge balance the shifts yeah it's a challenge and we we've talked about this many times in the past but i think sometimes people who work outside of uniform service forget this right the police department is a uniformed paramilitary organization with a strict hierarchy and a strict chain of command. And if you've never been in military, if you've never been in uniform service, you may not understand what that means. So I was in a I was in a virtual meeting earlier this week and we we're negotiating, you know, some reports that we were going to produce and the mayor asked me, you know, when do you think you can have that by? And so it's it was me and the mayor and the city solicitor um chair of the police advisory review board and a half dozen 
residents, right? So they're asking questions, and the mayor's like, when do you think you can have their report by? And my response was, I ordered the captain to start working on it as we started this meeting. I expect to have it shortly. We can have it fin- finished within a couple of weeks. And everybody else, everybody who wasn't employed by the city who was on the call, kind of like recoiled when I said, I ordered the captain to do it. That's what we do, right? You know, we like to have a lot of conversations and discussion and back and forth. And we try to, to the best of our ability, you know, to some extent, reach consensus. But the reality is when push comes to shove, we issue orders and we expect compliance with the orders. It's, it's what a paramilitary organization does. Mm-hmm. And so the captain annually issues an order saying, here's where you're going to work for the next year. And people comply, sometimes happily sometimes unhappily Mm -hmm. but they don't get to negotiate it right they know what coming in too yeah and so um as the captain described you know they they get to bid they get to pick where they would like to be it's a request it's not it's not a guarantee and then based on seniority and sometimes seniority within assignment the captain goes down, and to the best of his ability, he assigns based on those bids and the needs of the department and balancing, right? We, we know based on data and call volume where we need to put the most people to accomplish the mission and make sure that we're not going to be you know, short on a particular shift. Some shifts are easier to backfill with overtime than others, and so you know, you got to take that into account. But usually on the second Sunday of January, the change comes, and... Um, Junior officers frequently find themselves working somewhere other than where they wanted to be. Some other beat that they want to be Some on. other beat than where they want to be assigned. Some other I shift. Don't, I don't get involved in, in the shift bidding process as much as I used to anymore. Like I let the captain handle it, right? It's, it's the captain's division. Tell me what it's going to look like and tell me where I can communicate with these people. I don't need to be involved in the weeds. Um, I was shocked to find a comparatively junior sergeant working day shift <laughs> this week. I walked in, I was like, yeah, and over time, he's like, nope, I live here now. Um, you know, and, and we, he kind of like was smirking as he said it. Clearly not where he wants to be, but he, you know, very experienced, came on a little bit before I did. He's gone through this several times. That's a, a win big, for me, though. Absolutely. <laughs> he's a, he's absolutely. A, um Big loss, but I also got a big win. But, um, you know, it's just, it's what we deal with. It's what, you know, if it's what you live with if you choose to do this type of work. And so, um, new officers on new shifts. Who'd you lose from days? I lost, let's see, I think I lost K-9 Officer Sandrini. I lost Sergeant Herland. Um, Did I Sergeant Herland go back to mids? He went to mids, okay. correct. Um, I gained uh, Officer Hacker. Two out of my four days. Uh, K-9 Officer Slater. And newly graduated from the FTO program, Officer Juno. Jumo. Jumo. Cool. And then Sergeant Gray. And Sergeant Gray, correct. Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you keep your number? Did you keep your... It went up. You went up. It went you gained up. one. It always starts this way. Yeah. <laughs> it always starts this way. Yeah, you, you're... you're, you're you're comfortable at the beginning oh, of the great. year. I wish it would so, just ride it out the rest of the week, the year like this. So this, this is one of the things I was alluding to earlier. It's much easier to fill a vacancy created by a call-in or training or um, 
the, you know a school on the day shift correct than it is on say the midnight shift yeah so if something's got to give it gives on the day shift day right? shift but Much. you know our numbers are up right yeah. now and don't jinx I, us. I know. I, I hate to do it, but we, it always happens. We made good. <laughs> we made good progress in 2020. Yeah. Um. So, well, we're coming up on the half. So you, your your shift is balanced now. Um. When we come back, I want to talk about the canine shift because that's significant mm-hmm. for us. It's been a long time. So what do we got here? We got 35 seconds. We uh. We can do it. Go to the break. We'll get another check of the weather, some PSAs, and we'll come back and talk about all things canine. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area this afternoon. Mostly cloudy. Cold with highs in the upper 20s. Southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy with scattered snow showers. Not as cold. Near steady temperature in the mid-20s. Southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of snow 50%. Friday, mostly cloudy in the morning, then becoming partly sunny. Scattered snow showers. Highs in the mid-30s. Temperature falling into the upper 20s in the afternoon. West wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Chance of snow 50%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Is your little one safe inside your vehicle? Is the child seat installed properly? Is it the correct seat for your child? Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madeline with the Pittsfield Police Department, reminding you to please keep your children safe. Follow the safety seat manufacturer's recommendations for height and weight, and check NHTSA's website or our Facebook page for recommendations. If you have a question or would like your seat installation checked, please contact our department at 413-448-9700, extension 575. Our officers are certified safety seat installers. Thank you. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. Good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again this morning for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield and one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this weekly radio program and now television program and now podcast. We haven't talked about the podcast thing enough lately. So when we started this program... Oh, year and a half ago, a little more than a year and a half ago now, we really were just like trying to get enough of us 
comfortable with the equipment that if we needed to preempt and take over this station to make emergency announcements, we could do that. And and we you know we kind of got into it, and they were archiving the um, they were archiving the programs for us, and and we could just put them up you know uh, put them up on SoundCloud or whatever and link to them. And then during the beginning of last year, WTBR and PCTV made a decision, and they decided that they were going to switch their their archiving over, basically to a WordPress platform, which dramatically changed the availability. So we broadcast live on FM radio, and it's going out on Pittsfield Community Television. They record the television segment, so that's available as an archive through PCTV. But then they send the audio file, and we put it up on the uh, on the uh, WordPress podcast platform. And I don't know if you guys listen to podcasts. I I do on a regular basis, and just because you know I know that I subscribe to our feed, and it always amazes me on Friday late morning, Friday afternoon, if I'm gonna go to you know my app, whatever it is, to listen to you know another podcast program. That there it goes this morning, I'm patrol the PPD podcast, and so. The, the listeners that we had that we knew were checking us out on SoundCloud, including people from other departments elsewhere in the state and, and family members elsewhere in the world. Um, now, not only can they get that via the website, but I mean, that's commonly available. And, and we're up on all the popular podcast platforms, um, Apple, Apple Music, Spotify. Um, I'm, those are the two that I have on my device. I don't, uh, I don't, Stitcher. Uh, so wherever you, if you listen to podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to On Patrol with the PPD, and uh, it'll push to your device, and you can take us with you anywhere. Hmm. I, I got a, uh, had a message from a friend, a friend that I used to go to church with last week, and she's like, I just finished listening to the podcast. I was like, that's awesome, right? All right, so back to what we were talking about. So you lost a canine handler. But you picked up a canine handler and a half. Times two, yeah. Well, time, <laughs> one and a half, yeah, correct. And so, you know, we've, the Pittsfield Police Department, we've talked about this on the past, and in the past, I think we've had Sergeant Parisi out here. Um, we have a fairly robust canine program. We, I, I think it's important that we have a robust canine program. We invest considerable resources and energy into the canine program. I'm very proud of our canine program. But, Every program needs to be evaluated. It needs to be evaluated from time to time. And if changes have to be made, changes have to be made. You got to justify putting that type of energy, money, personnel into the program. And so with the change a couple years ago, Sergeant Parisi was promoted. He was allowed to keep his dog. We changed um, the way. So canine was traditionally occupied just by patrol officers senior patrol officer canine handler was kind of in charge of the unit it was fairly informal and we needed a different way to do it um canine needs to train on a regular basis they train weekly they need to keep detailed records they need specialized software to do that they need to be able to produce those records fairly quickly uh, if they're challenged so we thought i thought it made sense command thought it made sense that we allow the sergeant to keep his dog and we make him the canine coordinator and he would be responsible for making sure the training got done making sure the records got done but he was also responsible for tracking usage and the, the bottom line is if the canines aren't being used we can't really justify them and so 
going into through 2020, we had canine supervisor, canine coordinator who was working a split shift and he was pretty much bouncing between uh, days and eves. And we had a canine team assigned to each shift. So handler and canine on each shift. And what Sergeant Parisi found by doing some analysis and looking at some stuff with Captain Kirshner was that the team on midnights um, wasn't being used to the same degree that the, the other two teams were, were being used. And, and there's a couple different reasons for that. One was that uh, call volume. It just it wasn't there. You know, if if he wasn't on duty when something came in, um, then it's harder to get a canine call in on the midnight shift. It's it, it's as hard for the canines as it is for anybody else. And if he was on duty, depending on, with other limited lack of resources, you know, you're not going to get the same type of perimeter. You're not going to get the same type of containment. And so the deployments they had weren't weren't even necessarily as as um, successful. And so Captain Kirchner, in looking at this and talking to Sergeant Priestley, made a decision. He goes, it, it would be easier and more beneficial and generate more work for that team if we move them to another shift and then we just handled canine needs on midnight with a strict call-in. We'd have more people available for the call-in and they'd be more active. And that's good for the dog, mm-hmm. right? The dog, need, the dog wants to work. Oh, and, yeah. and the dog needs to work so to stay current. So the decision was made that we were going to move the Midnight Canine team to a split shift. And so uh, you get an additional canine team two days a week. And Evenings gets an additional canine team two days a week. And Lieutenant Rockabruna has to call in the dogs if he needs them. You know, based on the seniority and and shift bid, um, I lost Officer Sandrini. And I gained Officer Slater. And... Officer Hacker, and and I ran into Officer Hacker in the uh, in the hallway on my way out of the building the other day. And I, have to, I mean, I, I, Steve is unbelievable. Like he's a great guy. He's always very positive. It, but I didn't expect that he was going to be very happy. Right? Was, you know, you, you work midnight, you settle in the midnight, you get a routine. You know, you know when your sleep patterns are going to be. Um, he was happy on midnights. Um, so I asked him how the new, he was like, well, it's only my only second day and there's some adjustments, but I think he was happier for his dog. It's just like, it's going to be good for the dog. It's going Absolutely. to be you know, so. Absolutely. Nope. And definitely for the training schedule, it's going to be better. And I think, you know, Chief, going back to having conversations with Sergeant Parisi, I think we're going to try to push this unit a little bit more, get more out of them, you know, so. Well, I, the other part, so one of the concerns I always have um, particularly with the the midnight canine team, is like we said, there's not necessarily as much call volume. There's not necessarily as much opportunity, but there's zero opportunity for the other part of the canine job, which I consider equally important, which is community outreach and community engagement. The day shift canine, and the evening shift canines, they are socialized. They are out there. They go to events. The midnight canine doesn't get that type of opportunity unless mm-hmm. you know somebody else isn't available and we're going to backfill and bring them in. So moving this team to a split shift, they're going to get a lot more opportunity to interact with the community in non-enforcement ways. And you know, despite some of the controversy that came up last year, I got to tell you, police canines are by far one of the most popular resources and assets available. Um, you know, if they have to be deployed in the field, 
look, that's that's a use of force, and, and we get that, and we recognize that. But when we just take them to an event, and the handler is showing off their dog, people love it's that. Impressive. Um, when we did the last recruitment expo at the new Taconic, and they had the teams up there, and I don't remember which dog it was. I think it was Apollo. He had his he had his kid on right, and he just he was so excited. There was so much energy in that room, and he just kept jumping onto the table. And it wasn't like he he put his paws up, and then he kind of like scrambled up on the table. He was levitating onto the table, <laughs> right? He was just so happy to be there and be showing off. So, I don't know who you are. Stop calling me in the middle of the workday. There's another uh, police department uh, in New England. I was happened to be on their website uh, this week and. They actually have a, a canine request form, you know. Really? It just, you know, speaks to the uh, popularity of, you know, the, the community outreach aspect of, you know, canine with the chief. We used to bring about. them to the, the schools all the time, unfortunately. We can't now, but they were in the schools all the time doing demonstrations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Kids love them. Yeah. All right. Lieutenant Traversa. We've kind of hammered the shift stuff. We talked about the canine changes. What else should we grill Lieutenant Dolly about in the time that we have left? Um, we have uh, an FTO class that just graduated. It's essentially, basically, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's uh, they don't necessarily all, um, you know, end at the same time. But that last academy class is now through FTO. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. If you want to speak to that and yeah we we uh i think we had four four or five that graduated from the last four four from the last uh pandemic academy uh, they, they were made, the pandemic they academy. were the pandemic they got through it all um, four of those poor souls had was to a, appear individually on this program yeah. they, they were actually the second though because the the academy before them weren't they interrupted also or Am I going back too far? No, this this, no, is, this, the is, this is the academy. This is the it one. It started okay. pre-pandemic and then went virtual and remote. And okay. Chief had them for a little while over at Second Street. I had them at Second Street That's for right. a little okay. while and yeah. PT in them. All right. So we, you know, we received four four officers from the academy. Um, they entered the field training program all at once. And, you know, based on performance and valuation and training needs, they, you know, they, they graduate at different times. Yeah. And so... You know, we recently had um, one of them graduate. He's on solo patrol, Officer Jumo. He's he's doing really well now, um, and we still have another person that's still in the the program. Yeah, still training. So I want to talk about the, this this deviation from the norm that, that we've we've really kind of expanded in the last couple of years, right? So I was a field training officer. Uh, when I was still a patrol officer, I was um, in the second group recruited to be field training officers in the first group that actually managed the field training program or ran the field training program. I actually wrote a lot of the tasks back then. Um, and so the field training program is designed to be 14 weeks. We've talked about it in the past, right? You know, re realistically, it's 15 weeks. They get a week between mm -hmm. the academy and starting the program. We don't count that. It's an administrative week. Check their equipment, make sure all the paperwork's ready to go. They got all the gear they need, and it's all functioning properly. And they roll in the field training. And then it's three, four-week phases, basically a month, uh, ideally with three separate field training officers. They check off all their tasks. They get evaluated on a regular basis. We've talked about that. Yep. Um, and then 
this the last phase phase four is two-week phase called shadow phase uh, the probationary officer student officer probationary officer probationer is in the u- unit in uniform doing all the calls and they're first field training officer, their primary, is in plain clothes, evaluating them and doesn't interfere or interrupt unless it meets a small uh, set of criteria. And back in the day, it was 14 weeks. Right? If you couldn't get through it in 14 weeks, see ya. Yeah. Uh, and the good news was we, we very, very infrequently bounced anybody from field training. By the time we got them to field training, what we had done pre-academy and what they got in the academy would set them up for success and and they were okay over the past several years maybe as many as um eight or nine years what we've realized is that because of changing expectations uh in the community changing norms and expectations in the department changing requirements in the curriculum at the academy and, and changes in the population coming into the pipeline, that 14 weeks it cannot be a fixed arbitrary number. Different people need different things. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to cause anybody any embarrassment. I don't want to cause anybody any harm. But, you know, I, when I was a field training officer, it, and look, I, I'm a cop. Right. My, my undergraduate degree was in English literature and American studies, but pretty much my entire adult life has been spent in law enforcement. I have a little bit of experience in adult education in a, in a scholastic setting and a lot of experience as a trainer, but I'm no educator, right? I'm a cop. And so I had a probationer early on in my time that I couldn't get through to. And I didn't know what the dilemma was. And I probably shouldn't have done it. I, I probably was well outside of my scope as a simple field training officer. But I finally confronted this officer and I said, what the heck is going on with you? What, you know, what am I missing? What can I? And, you know, it turned out the officer had a learning disability and had a learning disability for a long time and had put coping strategies and, and um, methods in place that they could work around that in an academic environment. They were highly successful in school. They were highly successful in the academy. But the street is not the academy. And those type of workarounds and coping mechanisms you might put in place, they weren't going to work when you were out there for eight hours under pressure and you had to get your work done before the end of your shift. So he and I had a conversation. I suggested some things. He was a self-starter and he took advantage of it. Uh, he, fi- he finished the program. He had to do a lot of work off duty, but he finished the program. And I'm very proud of that because he's a rock star still with us. Highly successful. Um, I'm glad that we didn't bounce him out of the program. But that was just that was just luck of the draw. I asked the difficult question. He was willing to to answer the question, uh, and that was a one off. Then, what we've seen in the last several years is that's no longer a one off, right? We're we're having people come into the pipeline that successfully screen in that. You know, because of whatever the situation they they had with their higher education, they've got their college degree, but they still may have an undi- or a diagnosed and or an undiagnosed learning disability. Mm-hmm. Um, we, in this one, we had people, a person, English was not their first language. And so report writing w- was an issue. We've had people who come in that they're highly, highly intelligent, but the the way they absorb information is um, is is it's either auditorial auditory or um, 
kinesthetic, not necessarily visual. And so they're highly skilled, but they're not from the area. So they struggle with geography. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you just got some people that they made it through the pipeline. They're, they're quality candidates, but they've got different physical stuff that they may be challenged with. And what we've learned, and I think it started when we realized that not everyone could handle the full-size Glock. And so we had to we had to develop a plan. So now you know we we went normal issues the twenty two. If you're having a hard time with that, we'll give you the twenty three, right? And uh, so that was the, the beginning of the accommodations. And what we've seen in the last several years is sometimes we have to provide an accommodation for a learning disability, right? We we um we had a candidate several years ago. We provided them with dictation software mm-hmm. so they could speak their reports instead of trying to sit down and hammer them out. It worked, right? That was a successful strategy. But we're finding ourselves, as people enter the pipeline, finding more and more needs to identify some of these accommodations. And we're not educators, right? Um, Lieutenant Bradford, who co-manages the program with you, he's been great. He'll send me an email because I don't know what it is, but there's something here. I've got a feeling. And I'm fortunate that because I do... um, have an association with a couple of our local colleges and I do teach some courses from time to time that I can reach out for people who are educators and say, this is what we're seeing help mm-hmm. um, because it's not going to, it's not going to go back to the way it was when we came on. Right. And, and these are legitimate from a labor point of view. These are legitimate things that we need to be able to provide. Right. It, you can't just bring somebody in and say, Sorry, you know, you couldn't complete the program. You're fired. If you know that there's a a reasonable request, that there's a reasonable need for an accommodation and they've requested one. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can you can back me up on this. What I've seen more recently. So eight, nine years ago, if we said is something going on and somebody needed an accommodation, they would tell us right up front because they wanted to do anything to save their job. More recently, it's more reluctant. Right. We can tell something's off base and off norm and outside of our experience and we have the meetings and it it's 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 like pulling teeth sometimes right we tell these people from the beginning we want you to be successful tell us what we can do to help you and uh that they're not always forthcoming that's correct so no i mean and as you know chief we, we can't obviously came out, can't come out and ask them so <laughs> yeah, it's, right. it's 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 a challenge in some of these meetings and you know how can we help you how what do we need to do as police officers training you to get you through this and you know it's sometimes it it does come out sometimes it doesn't like the chief said we're not educators we're police officers so and i think one of the things that comes into play too is the generational differences and it it, you know that's a whole other subject (laughs) well it is but it comes into play with the field training because they are accustomed or, or grew up a communicating in a way that we have learned to uh, communicate in the last you know 10 or 15 years so and there are in most cases you know some very stark differences and you know i i think there's a lot of adjustment you know for for both generations that that are you know and sometimes you know to a certain extent we have you know three generations kind of employed you know mm-hmm. and it's um it's different and there's a lot of adjustment and you know and 
especially all, with the all changes the way around. with the policing and the reform and so so that brings up another point and this this could be a an entire episode so I don't want to I don't want to dig too deep into this but I've, I've said on the program you both know you know my position has been since I took command of the department we should we should have a workforce of a hundred and 10 to 120 sworn personnel plus the the necessary support personnel and in my mind when i started saying that based on you know police per capita ratio and stuff like 110 cops 120 cops to keep the 95 to 100 fit and healthy to do the work that we're required to do and so that's been my my goal and what happened for me um going into the tail end of last year where we were looking at some of the stuff that was coming out and in response to some of the stuff that had happened both you know early last year during the um, civil unrest and the budget process and the police reform stuff is I had to look and say you know should is it reasonable for me to continue to pursue 110 to 120 cops or should I be looking to form new jobs within the department and divert some so you know, there's there's a movement for us to have social workers okay so we moved a little bit of money in the budget that enable us to have social workers but I don't have a candidate pool of social workers I can't go to the police list and hire a social worker and there's no social worker list right and so the jobs don't exist within the department structure and the question and the, you know the mayor and I have it's, this is a conversation is should I start to move some of those slots that we're pursuing somewhere else and what should that somewhere else be where should it be so there's a lot of larger police departments for example that have internal embedded victim witness assistance we don't have that position because we use the victim witness assistance from the da's office Mm -hmm. and from our community partners but that's not to say maybe we shouldn't you know, should I, you know, add a police slot next year and add a victim witness slot? And instead of moving towards 110 and 120 sworn officers, move towards a balance of 95 to 100 police officers and 10 or 15 something else, whatever that else may be. And I don't know because um, it's uncharted territory, right? Yeah. We traditionally go to the list and we hire cops. Yeah. That's what we do. But... You know, we're we're working on a plan right now to try to figure out if we can outsource or contract the social worker positions because we're not going to be able to hire them to be city employees. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it, the the timing doesn't work, so we'll see. And to have one is a is a, a, an absolute bonus to have a co co oh, absolutely. It's, I wish we had more. Yeah, I really do. And I, I that's part of what frustrated me is we got zero recognition or credit for the existing program that we've had for what six years at now. least five or six years we knew that richard was getting ready to retire yep. we made concrete moves to use the existing program to bring up his follow-on and an additional people and there's no recognition of the fact that unless you have a very particular critical incident crisis incident mindset which richard does you know he spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time early in his career working in crisis environments not all social workers do that if you don't have that unique niche and interest and you're a licensed social worker you know msw lisw they don't want to do that work right just like i don't ever want to go back into a, a high school classroom somebody who's a traditional minded social worker doesn't want to ride with the police it there's it's a it's a bad match. And to find people who are clinically trained social workers who have that particular interest and want to do that work, 
I, I don't know how many people. I know that we've got you know the the two that he trained up elsewhere in the county, but I don't know how many he tried to train to work. You know, is additional hours for him that they started and they left. Yeah, it was, it was at least one, maybe two or three. So he he has a, a young lady that's working with him now. I don't know if you have a chance to meet her. I, I her name escapes me right now, but we're working on that. We're working on the buy-in for that. Yeah. So hopefully there'll be a replacement for him. Yeah, because if if he if he cuts his hours this summer no. and we don't have something in place, it, we did he did the math. It was a 60% reduction in Section 12 transports when he came on board. That's huge. Yeah, absolutely. He yeah. does a lot of roadside stuff. Chief. Yeah. You know. All right. We got a couple of minutes left in this program. I just found out that my 10 o'clock meeting got bumped to 1030, so I don't have to go running out of here while I'm trying to zoom in to a meeting. I'll get to leisurely drive back to headquarters and join the meeting in like a real person. Um. Lots going on this weekend. Virtual Arrowhead tour with Lizzie. You Uh-oh. have Her- Check Herman Welville's wife. Got it. Got it. All right. <laughs> First person. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm guessing that's a reenactor. Um, yeah. Go check that out. The Berkshire County chapter of the NAACP has their virtual Freedom Fund Awards. Uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night at 7 p.m., award-winning author Disha Fila is a keynote speaker. Christina and I will be in virtual attendance as as guests. I think there's still uh, room to register to support the NAACP if you want to do that. It'll also be uh, broadcast on PCTV uh, and live-streamed on Facebook. Uh, all kinds of other stuff going on. 10 by 10 is coming up. They're they're doing it virtually this year. There'll be it's the 10th anniversary. There will be 10 significant uh, virtual events to support that. Go check out the Cultural Pittsfield Today newsletter. Lieutenant Dolly, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, my pleasure. Just one other thing that we, we forgot to mention. We have a few officers in the academy that are going to be graduating. We do have a few officers in the academy. Scheduled graduation date is February 5th. We're looking forward to that. Yes, correct. Poor field training officers will uh, <laughs> take a quick oh, breather. Catch and that's their breath. the other thing. We have five new field training officers. We do officers have five too. new field training so. officers. Excited about that. Plans for the weekend, T? Uh, I'm off this weekend. Good for you. Plans for the Going weekend, nowhere. Lieutenant? Um, I don't know. I'm probably going to do some skiing. My my daughter, this is her last weekend before she returns to school. And, Excellent. Um, she's been doing a lot of skiing. We've been doing a lot of skiing together, so we'll probably take advantage of... Uh, yeah, make sure you take your uh, painkillers this time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to make reservations, yeah. don't you? Someone right. local? Uh, no, we have a season pass. Oh, it, that's but it's um, it, yeah, the painkillers were for the shot, <laughs> not the skiing. <laughs> All right, thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTVR eighty nine point seven FM Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Join us next week for another new episode. Uh, we don't have any idea what that's going to include other than director armstrong for her health update until then stay healthy be well do good work be kind to one another until next week we're out